I mean, had Andrew Jackson been a little bit later, you wouldn't have had the Civil War. He saw what was happening with regard to the Civil War. He said, there's no reason for this. He did? Except he was dead 15 years well, earlier. Other than that, very upset the right. about the Civil War. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. One thing after another. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From in Pacifica the Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, on 92.9 FM WLRI, Maui, Hawaii, on 88.5 FM KAKU, Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN 94.1, in Palinville, New York, on 102.9 FM WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, on WPRR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today once again. Uh, even as right-wing policy experts uh, appear to hate the very things in Trump's radical tax cut proposal introduced in a one-page outline last week in advance of Donald Trump's 100th day as president, uh, the administration is pushing this thing forward, or at least pretending they're going to, Uh, Bruce Bartlett, uh, author of Reaganomics, said Republicans will make grandiose claims for the growth effect of their tax cut. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has said there will be so much additional growth that federal revenues will not fall because the economic pie will be so much bigger. Bartlett said we have heard such claims before and they proved to be groundless. Indeed, they are simply lies. That's former Ronald Reagan officials Bruce Bartlett. Also, Ronald Reagan's Office of Management and Budget Director David Stockman said that Trump's plan will be dead before arrival and that Trump is, quote, essentially a 70-year-old kid in a candy store who wants one of everything more for defense, veterans, border walls, law enforcement, infrastructure, and phenomenal tax cuts, too, without the inconvenience of paying for any of it. Even Paul Ryan's senior tax counsel, George Callis, said, uh, described the, uh, the proposed huge tax cuts as a, quote, magic unicorn. It would be just be dropping cash out of helicopters on corporate headquarters. Well, coming up, it was such a busy uh, week last week that we didn't even get to discuss Trump's hastily proposed tax plan, but we'll make up for that uh, in a bit shortly with Dave Johnson of OurFuture.org. He's been writing about it, warning about it since the proposal was uh, first unveiled, so we'll get to that momentarily. Um, Also, uh, four people uh, over the weekend here 
Uh, four people were killed and another injured in a shooting on Sunday afternoon in Topeka, Kansas, according to police. The suspected shooter was among the dead. The killings happened at a home that is part of a business that provides in-home care to people with special needs. The one survivor was taken to a hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The shooter died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Police told CNN affiliate WIBW that was just one of uh, a number of multiple uh, mass shootings over the past several days that I just want to bring to your attention because um, <laughs> these things happen so frequently here, Desi Doyen, that we we don't even they don't even make it to the news anymore. I know. Much less breaking wall to wall coverage. Yeah, they rarely rise to uh, attract the mainstream media's attention anymore. It's amazing. Uh, and that wasn't the only one. That was Topeka, and uh, in San Diego, California, a man gunned down seven people at a birthday pool party. In an apartment complex near the University of California, San Diego, he killed one woman uh, before he was shot and killed. The uh, suspect uh, shot four black women, two black men, one Latino man. This was on Sunday. Investigators don't yet know why he uh, why he opened fire. Peter Sellis is the guy's the suspected shooter. He was white. Um. Ricky Galindez heard shots around 6 p.m. on Sunday, went to look outside his six-story apartment and uh, saw the mess, uh, the people bleeding and screaming downstairs uh, at the pool below. He said, when we looked over the balcony, the shooter was just sitting there with a gun on his lap. He was calm. Uh, from my perspective, the guy was ready to do whatever he was going to do. He shot at people having a good time and having a party the shooter appeared to be reloading in the pool area when uh, when police arrived. Three officers arrived and shot him after he had pointed a large caliber handgun at them. San Diego mayor said this is a truly horrific act of violence that took place here yesterday. Our entire city, all our thoughts and prayers, all San Diegans' thoughts and prayers are with the victims and their families tonight. So once again... Um, thoughts and prayers, but not much actual action, certainly not across the country, certainly not from federal lawmakers. Of course, that uh, those two incidents are just one of many similar thousands of them per year that don't seem to even make it to breaking news uh, wall-to-wall coverage anymore. That, you know, that similarly, that occurs at least when incidents are carried out by someone with a Muslim-sounding name. Or in the case in uh, San Diego, um, you know, had the victims been white and the alleged shooter been black? I wonder if that would have made the news. Also, as we go to air, uh, not much detail yet here, but the mayor of Dallas has said that two bodies have been found in the home of a suspected shooter following a shooting of a paramedic near downtown Dallas today. So, I, you know, I just want to at least note, since we talk about so much else in the age of Trump, that these things are still going on. These incidents uh, that I just described, those three different incidents have been in just the past 24 hours. Um, you know, these multiple shootings in Topeka, in San Diego, now in Dallas, they don't get much coverage. Um but like I said, if they were a Muslim shoot him, I, uh, shooter, I suspect we would hear much more about them. Speaking of not getting enough coverage and government uh, not doing what the people want them to do or government doing what the people don't want them to do. Hundreds of thousands made uh, marched across the U.S. in rain, snow and sweltering heat 
to demand action on climate change over the weekend. Mass protests coincided with Donald Trump's 100th day in office and took aim at his agenda for rolling back environmental protections. At the Marquee event, the People's Climate March in Washington, D.C., tens of thousands of demonstrators, organizers described upwards of 200,000. Did you see that number as well, Deb? I I did. You know, there's really a a difficulty in getting official counts now, but pretty much everyone agrees it was at least 150,000 people, possibly topping 200,000. That's bigger than the March for Science. It was a pretty huge march, and uh, this as temperatures soared into the 90s in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. You know, they tied the record on that one day. It tied the record for the hottest April 29th in Washington, D.C. recorded history. I was going to say, yeah, 90 degrees in April. What are the odds? And also it did another very and and an even more dangerous uh, record overnight temperatures the night before the march. The overnight temperatures also set a record. They did not fall below 70 degrees. Mm. That's the first time that's ever been recorded in D.C. in the month of April. Overnight temperatures that stay warm are more dangerous for people because they don't have a chance to cool down, and that actually leads to more deaths over an extended heat wave. Just FYI. About 300 sister marches or rallies were held around the country, including Seattle, Boston, San Francisco. Of course, the demonstrations come just one week, which is kind of amazing. This is one week after the uh, the March for Science yes. that you mentioned, Des. Uh, that was in 600 cities around the globe. Uh, people keep marching. People yes. are keep are willing to march even in uh, blistering heat in Washington D.C. I guess it's sort of appropriate uh, during a climate march for there to be that kind of heat. Well, yeah. As a bit of a reminder, um, participants said, according to the AP, that they object to Trump's rollback of restrictions on mining, oil drilling, greenhouse gas emissions at coal-fired power plants, among other things. As you know, Trump has called climate change a hoax, a hoax, disputing the overwhelming consensus of scientists that the world is warming and that man-made carbon emissions are primarily to blame for that warming. In the meantime, Trump has proposed, so far not succeeded, but proposed cutting the EPA's budget by as much as one-third and eliminating 3,000 jobs uh, and, you know, and it's not just uh, scientists. It's not just people at the EPA. This has an effect all over the country. In Maine, for example, where 2000 people ga- uh, gathered at the state house in Augusta, uh, speakers included, for example, a lobsterman who said, I've seen firsthand the impacts of climate change to not only the Gulf of Maine, but also our evolving fisheries into the coastal communities that depend on them. Desi Doyen, you spent um, quite a bit of time over recent years talking specifically about the fisheries uh, off the East Coast in Maine, where their climate denialist governor, Paul LePage, is just a complete idiot. Yeah, I mean, these are things that have direct impacts on very big and important industries. The commercial fishing sector, especially the lobstermen, for example, the waters are too warm to support the lobsters that they fish for. The lobsters instead moved up to Canadian waters. So Canadian watermen, the Canadian lobstermen, had a booster year last year. Mm. Well, it's it, it affects us everywhere uh, in every way. But the Trump administration likes to pretend that's not the case. Remember when Scott Pruitt, who's the new head of the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, he was chosen by Donald Trump to head the EPA because he was an enemy of the EPA who had sued them about 14 times 
on behalf of fo- the fossil fuel industry when he was the attorney general of Oklahoma. Remember when he was on CNBC just a few weeks ago with uh, that fossil fuel stooge Joe Kernan of CNBC. Remember when he said this? Do you believe that it's been proven that CO2 is the primary control knob for climate? Do you believe that? No, I, no, I think that, that measuring with precision uh, human activity on the climate is something very challenging to do and there's trem- tremendous disagreement about the, the degree of impact. Uh, so, so no, I would not agree uh, that it's a primary contributor uh, to the to the global warming that we see. He would not. That's attorney, now head of the EPA, uh, Scott Pruitt, saying that uh, no, he doesn't think carbon uh, is a primary contributor to global warming. Which, of course, is the opposite of what scientists say that humans are the primary contributors to global warming because we've been releasing carbon dioxide. And here's the danger: people might find out what science uh, scientists actually have to say on that. Therefore. The EPA on uh, late on Friday, Friday evening, announced that its website would be, quote, undergoing changes to better represent the new direction the agency is taking. And that has triggered the removal of several agency websites containing detailed climate data and scientific information. Not opinions about climate change and so forth, just, you know, climate data, that stuff gone, cleansed. In a, on a whole bunch of uh, places at the EPA website. One of the websites that appeared to be gone had been cited to uh, challenge those very statements made by Scott Pruitt on CNBC. I guess it drove him kind of crazy that people were able to point to the EPA website to say, um, Mr. Pruitt, Secretary oh, Pruitt, yeah. they Administrator were doing Pruitt, you're wrong. They were doing that on Twitter. Every time he would say something, they would point to that very spot on the EPA website saying, um, so which, are, which is it, Mr. Pruitt? Yep. Another website uh, of the EPA's detailed information on the previous administration, the Obama administration's clean power plan. That included fact sheets about greenhouse gas emissions on the state and local levels and how different demographic groups were affected by those emissions. Uh, And uh, the changes on Friday came just 24 hours before the uh, before the protests, the marches over the weekend. Uh, J.P. Freer, the agency's associate administration uh, administrator for public affairs, said in a statement that, quote, as EPA renews its commitment to human health and clean air, <laughs> land and water, our website needs to reflect the views of the leadership of the agency. Notice not affect the views of science or scientists, but affect the views, reflect the views of the leadership of the agencies. Uh, He said we want to eliminate confusion by removing outdated language first and making room to discuss how we're protecting the environment and human health by partnering with states and working within the law. That's Orwellian. Uh, Totally Orwellian. Uh, An individual, uh, a staffer there uh, who uh, spoke to The Washington Post on the conditions of anonymity to discuss internal deliberations Described the process of reviewing the site as a work in process, he said, but we can't have information which contradicts the actions which we have taken in the last two months. Adding that Pruitt's aides had found a number of instances of that so far while surveying the site, so they've begun to simply remove it. Uh, you can find you can still find some of the uh, stuff, uh, the pages from the original EPA yes. uh, information. It's archived. 
But for example, in a section under the uh, causes of climate change on the old, on the archived data, it says uh, recent climate changes cannot be explained by natural causes alone. Research indicates that natural causes do not explain most observed warming, especially warming since the mid 20th century. It is uh, rather extremely likely that human activities have been dominant, uh, the dominant cause of that warming. And that is the language that people still point to Mm -hmm. in order to uh, contradict uh, Scott Pruitt. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) This had been the pages here at the EPA have been cited by scientists for years now as actually one of the best repositories of information on climate change. With historical data. Uh, back in uh, when the this one of these particular pages on global warming was first set up back in 1997 on the Internet. It said if you're looking for information on climate change, the greenhouse effect or global warming, you've come to the right place. Well, good luck getting to that uh, place now. It is uh, gone or at least archived changed with more uh, more promises, more more plans for removing more stuff. That the public funded, by the way. Yep. Uh, the cleansing has begun, said David Doniger of Natural Resources Defense Council. On Friday, the EPA website scrubbed of pages on the, quote, so-called clean power plan. Now only alternative facts. And by scrubbing the details about the clean power plan, they're scrubbing how pollution affects marginalized communities, the people that are generally poor and in urban areas who live closest to the pollution from these power plants, who would have had cleaner air if the clean power plan had been allowed to go through. It's not the only it's not only the EPA that has begun this Orwellian scrubbing of the websites. The Department of Interior scrubbed nearly any mention of climate change from its webpage on the topic at some point last month. It was just recently noticed. So, for example, uh, what was once a vigorous endorsement of the scientific consensus that the Earth is warming as a result of human activity. Uh, It used to say climate change affects every corner of the American continent. It is making droughts drier and longer, floods more dangerous and hurricanes more severe. That's what it used to read. Uh, among other things on that page, has now whittled down to just a single sentence. The impacts of climate change have led the department to focus on how we manage our nation's public lands and resources. The Department of the Interior contributes sound scientific research to address this and other environmental challenges. So, hey, at least they still mention the word climate change on that uh, on the Department of Interior webpage. Yes, Des. they still have those two words and, listed once, which is good because, you know, the uh, the Department of Energy's Office for International Climate and Clean Energy had uh, reportedly, according to uh, Politico in late March, instructed staff not to use the phrase climate change or emissions reduction yeah. or Paris Agreement anymore in written communications. So there's that. That's just a part of the way we are now making America great again. <sighs> Over the weekend, Republicans and Democrats struck a deal to fund the government through the end of September. So there's that. That's good. They'll avoid another shutdown of the government, at least until then, the end of September. Uh, Notably, the agreement does not include funding for Trump's border wall, which he had threatened would uh, lead to a potential veto. 
But, you know, he's a paper tiger, so he doesn't really mean it. He says stuff. He doesn't really mean it, apparently. Now he says he's going to sign that agreement anyway. But you notice something else does in, oh, that, yes. uh, in that budget. Uh, the EPA gets a tiny, tiny cut, not the big one he promised. There are no staff cuts. The Department of Energy gets a slight increase in funding, which is the opposite of what they proposed, especially the Advanced Energy Research Project. That gets a boost of $15 million. The National Parks get a boost in funding really? as well for deferred maintenance. That's a big deal. And really, really most important is that there is a permanent extension of health care benefits for retired coal miners. That's been something that Republicans, especially in coal states, have been fiddling with for years now. And they finally got a permanent extension for them. So some good news, some good news that uh, legislators uh, in, in Congress apparently don't seem to much be listening to Donald Trump, maybe listening a little bit to the people. Will they listen to the people and to the scientists when it comes to Donald Trump's massive proposed tax cut? That story is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the broadcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. According to a Commerce Department report issued on Friday, the U.S. economy turned in the weakest result, uh, the weakest performance, I should say, in three years in the uh, January to March quarter of this year as consumers sharply slowed their spending. The result fell far short of President Donald Trump's ambitious growth targets, the gross domestic product, or GDP, which is uh, the total output of goods and services, grew by just 0.7% in the first quarter, following a gain of 2.1% in the fourth quarter under the previous president. The slowdown primarily reflected slower consumer spending, uh, reports AP. It was the poorest uh, quarterly showing in more than seven years. Donald Trump, for his part, noted the weak 2016 GDP performance in a tweet last week, contending that trade deficits with other countries hurt the economy very badly. For the first quarter, however, trade was actually a small positive 
after a uh, major drag on the economy in the fourth quarter. Of course, Trump and the administration blamed everybody and everyone else for the new numbers for the first quarter of this year since he has been president. Now, that's fair enough because he's only been in office for about three months, but you know that he would have taken credit had the report on uh, on uh, growth in the U.S. economy been a more positive one. In fact, for example, following the release of strong February job growth numbers, Trump had retweeted Matt Drudge's headline, all caps, great again, plus 235,000 jobs. The sharp slowdown in consumer spending in the first quarter was attributed to a collection of temporary factors at the moment, including, by the way, warmer weather which shrank spending on heating bills. So, yes, climate change, global warming doesn't help there either. Uh, Also, a drop-off in auto sales, a delay in sending out tax refund uh, checks. Sal Gautieri, senior economist at BMO Capital Markets, said he expected consumer and government spending to bounce back this year, leading to a much stronger second quarter. Still, he said... The report will mark a rough start to the administration's high hopes of achieving 3% or better growth, not the kind of news it was looking for to cap its first 100 days in office, said Gautieri. It's also not the kind of news it was looking for to support the radical tax cuts proposed in a hastily released one-page document announced last week in advance of the first 100 days mark of Donald Trump's presidency. That proposal to slash both individual and corporate tax rates across the board would benefit the wealthy the most, but also relies on a boom to economic growth, or GDP, in order to avoid a massive increase in the federal deficit. Friday's report does not support such economic growth. Now, one thing that the fight over Donald Trump's and uh, the House Republicans' so far failed attempt to repeal and replace Obamacare has revealed is how little Americans uh, previously understood about uh, Obama's controversial Affordable Care Act. Once Republicans really focused on gutting the protections afforded by it, stuff like uh, protection against discrimination to those with pre-existing conditions, uh, ensuring minimal standards like hospital coverage and emergency room care for all health insurance policies, access to health care for tens of millions of poorer Americans— Once they realized uh, that and realized what the policy actually does, Americans did not want to see that landmark health care insurance reform bill gutted, at least not without something in place that was better or at least that maintained a similar level of coverage for tens of millions of Americans. Why Americans didn't understand that, uh, you know, with this bill, the Obamacare having been in place now for about seven years, Uh, Then I would look to the media for failing to explain what the bill actually does and doesn't do. But in that same vein, last week, uh, Trump's billionaire Goldman Sachs cabinet heads uh, over at the Treasury Department and the uh, Goldman Sachs White House financial advisor uh, unveiled a bare bones outline for what they describe as the biggest tax cut and the largest tax reform in the history of our country. At first blush, however, uh, it appears to be smaller than President Ronald Reagan's 1981 tax cut, which was the biggest ever. That plan had reduced federal revenues 
by almost 19 percent. That's the revenue. That's the money that comes into the government. In today's dollars, that would mean a tax cut of more than $600 billion a year or well over $6 trillion over the next decade. And Trump says his cuts are larger than that. An early analysis by the Nonpartisan Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget estimates federal rev- revenue would probably drop by $5.5 trillion over a decade under the Trump plan. That's slightly shy of Reagan's record breaker. That, of course, assumes that all of that plan is adopted by Congress, which is doubtful. In any event, almost everyone except for the White House so far seems to agree that the that the cuts would blow a massive hole in the federal budget, increasing the federal deficit by huge numbers. That, despite Trump's campaign promises to do something about the federal debt and the government's annual deficit spending. Steve uh, Mnuchin, uh, the, uh, that former Goldman Sachs banker who now heads the Treasury Secretary, claims that these tax cuts would pay for themselves. They will pay for itself with growth to the economy, he said, uh, and by reduced tax deductions by filers and closing loopholes. Nonetheless, tax experts are skeptical, and AP notes they are backed up by history. Reagan's steep cut, for example, in 1981 contributed to years of deficits, even after he was forced to raise some taxes that he had previously cut. And uh, President George W. Bush's 2001 and 2003 tax cuts were also followed by huge deficits. Howard Gleckman, a senior fellow at the uh, Nonpartisan Tax Policy Center, says no tax cut has ever been self-financing. Alan Cole, an economist at the right-leaning Tax Foundation, calculated that Trump's corporate tax alone and that's only one piece of the massive proposed tax cuts, that that, uh, those corporate tax cuts alone would slash federal revenue by some $2 trillion over 10 years. Cohen, uh, Gary Cohen, this is uh, Trump's top uh, financial advisor, former Goldman Sachs president, said, we are going to cut taxes for businesses to make them competitive, and we're going to cut taxes for the American people, especially low- and middle-income families. Well, that all sounds good. Cuts for uh, low and middle income family taxes. But uh, even so, is, is that actually ultimately good for those low and middle income families if, in fact, these cuts do go through? Writing over at People's Action, which is formerly known as the Campaign for America's Future, Dave Johnson explains that tax cuts defund the very things that boost the economy and that after eight years of complaining about Obama deficits, Republicans are proposing huge, dramatic, unprecedented tax cuts, especially for corporations. In a separate article, Johnson goes on to argue about those proposed corporate tax cuts, which would reduce the corporate rate from about 40 percent down to just 15 percent. He argues that those are little more than uh, additional tax cuts for the rich. So while cutting everyone's taxes might might sound good if you're an American hearing that your taxes are going to be lowered, do Americans really understand the ramifications and the real costs to Americans of this kind of radical overhaul of our current tax system? Here to uh, hopefully make us all smarter about this, uh, including myself, uh, because, boy, you know, tax cuts always sound great. 
uh, is actually a Dave Johnson from what was formerly known as the Campaign for America's Future, now People's Action. He was, until last week, a senior fellow there. He will soon be at the Great Center for Media and Democracy, the organization that investigates and exposes corruption like Alec Exposed, Coke Exposed. You remember those campaigns. Dave Johnson, welcome back to the broadcast, sir. Hey, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, You argue that the massive tax cuts uh, that Trump is proposing uh, at both the corporate and the individual level, will defund the very things that boost the economy. That kind of sounds like the opposite of what the administration is claiming. I thought that tax cuts were supposed to result in growth to the economy, no? Well, as, as I listened to you with that introduction, it occurred to me that what you were doing was just bringing up the things they say and then refuting them one at a time and showing how most of the things they say are just, just sort of nonsense. You know, it's just something to say. Let me offer this. We have had so many years of such a smokescreen of bamboozlement, of propaganda, you know, all those kind of things mm-hmm. about these issues that that there, that we end up kind of almost getting boggled trying to say, well, wait, no, that's not what you said a week ago or whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me offer this. If you go back to that massive Reagan tax cut you talked about, mm-hmm. I'd like your listeners to Google a term, and that term is strategic deficits. While they were saying these things about the tax cuts, behind the scenes they were saying what they want to do is cut taxes to cut government, Mm -hmm. to force cuts in government. By forcing a crisis in budgeting, uh, Reagan said we're going to cut off the government's allowance, okay? Mm -hmm. They force a cut they force everybody to get all scared by the resulting deficits and then they can do the things they really want to do which is cut back they say government's too big and then they offer all these cuts in government after they scare everybody with deficits in fact when uh, w bush took office we had a big budget surplus he proposed these massive tax cuts and people went to him and said after a while of course he got the tax cuts and then of course the government went into deficit Here's another thing to Google. Bush said, that's incredibly positive news, he said. And the reason was because then they could put a straitjacket on government, he said. Now, that, that, that the deficit was positive news? Yeah, it was intentional. They created the huge deficits on purpose to cause a crisis that then they could start cutting government. Unfortunately, the result, we can see the results of how many years of tax cuts, because when they cut... When Reagan cut taxes, we started to defer things like infrastructure maintenance. Mm-hmm. And now we're at that point. I mean, it takes time for the infrastructure to start crumbling, but we're there. Look around, you know, the, mm-hmm. the roads, the bridges. Things are deteriorating now because we have been deferring maintenance, and here we are. So they cut taxes. They claim, they call it pro-growth. If you cut taxes, they say the economy will grow. It will cause a boost to the economy. Well, no, it doesn't. Uh, they have, how many times have they done this, and the results have not come through. And then when, like Clinton raised taxes, Mm -hmm. the economy boomed. W. Bush cut taxes, and you know what happened then. So Republicans commissioned the Congressional Research Service in 2012 to take a look at the effect tax cuts have on the economy, and they got results they didn't like, so they suppressed the results. But the study was called 
taxes and the economy, an economic analysis of the top tax rates since 1945, and it found no relationship. <laughs> they said cutting taxes does not boost the economy. And, and yet they, they say this, Republicans say that they've been saying it for decades. We, you know, we've got to cut taxes. That's how we boost the economy. And despite, as you note, Dave Johnson, the actual facts that show otherwise. So, A, is there any, you know, actual data that supports their argument? And B, how is it? That after all of these years, uh, showing the opposite of what they uh, w- what they are saying, they are still able to make this argument, and people are still inclined to believe them. Is it because they're personally, oh, hey, I, you know, I'd love to have my taxes cut? Is that where this comes from? There's nobody out there, or there's very few people out there refuting the things they say. Uh, you you don't hear it on most outlets, and you certainly don't hear it on Fox News. Right. Uh, I will suggest that people who have high incomes don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. But it's just it just is the data, and you can look at it. You can look at what happened when Obama raised taxes. The economy got better when Bush cut taxes. The economy got worse. There was no big boost under Reagan, although they say there was. They don't admit that Reagan quickly raised taxes after the cut because of the deficits were so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So, no, there's no evidence that cutting taxes does anything significant to the economy. It's a small boost because it's a little bit of a stimulus, but nothing like what would happen if you did public infrastructure, which first creates millions of jobs, and then second, you have the the better infrastructure, okay? Look at it this way. Look at Amazon, what that company does. Mm -hmm. Amazon sends trucks out on the roads all around the country. Amazon needs those roads. Okay, Amazon needs the traffic law enforcement. Amazon needs all of those things government does for its prosperity. Or the stores that Amazon is quickly replacing. Mm-hmm. They need people to be able to get to their stores. Just Those are just small examples. But here in Silicon Valley, we don't have very good uh, public uh, transit infrastructure, and the roads are completely clogged. People can't get to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, those are just some examples of the ways that good infrastructure mm-hmm. drives prosperity, but good courts do, and especially good education. I mean, they talk about how they have to hire, uh, you know, and, and they should hire really smart people from other countries because they can't find them here. Uh, so that's because we don't have the really good public infrastructure, in, yeah, right. public education infrastructure that drives prosperity. So beyond just cutting government, what they're doing is they're cutting the very things that drive prosperity because they don't believe government does. And, you know, you make sort of a full-throated argument uh, in in your piece over at OurFuture.org, headline, Tax Cuts Defund the Very Things That Boost the Economy. You make sort of, you know, that full-throated argument in favor of taxes and all the things that we the people get from those taxes. Uh, Democrats don't seem to be out making that argument, uh, or at least not very effectively. They haven't been able to for uh, many, many years. Is it just because, uh, is this all a part of, uh, you know, government, uh, you know, Reagan's great con that uh, government isn't the solution, government is the problem, and therefore there's really no one out there making an effective argument for government, which would necessarily be an argument in favor of taxes and all the things that we, the people, get back from these taxes. I like 
to say that democracy doesn't have a, an advertising agency. Yeah. yeah. But all of these anti-government people do. Millions, even billions of dollars have been spent in this argument that government is bad for us. Mm -hmm. Government is bad. Businesses do everything better. Take Reagan's anti-government arguments. Take all these anti-government arguments, and where the word government is used, substitute the words decision-making by we the people. Now think about that for a second. Big decision-making by we the people is bad. Business is always more efficient than big decision-making by we the people, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. Those people are arguing against democracy. Mm -hmm. They're arguing, and another thing they say is that uh, when people get to vote for things, they vote for free stuff. Think about that one, you know. Here's, a, here's an argument I'll give you. In a democracy, yep. government spending, which they've made bad, government spending is bad, right? Government spending is by definition on things that make our lives better. Right. So when you cut that, you cut things that make our lives better. But they're all about all of that tax money that they don't want to provide. Now, what about uh, corporate taxes? The argument for uh, that, you know, we have the, uh, again, I know this is false, but they make the argument that the U.S. has one of the highest corporate taxes uh, and that if we only cut the corporate taxes, uh, money could then be put back into uh, building those businesses, hiring more workers, creating more jobs. Yet you reject that argument. You write that the corporate tax cuts are nothing more than tax cuts for the rich. Uh, How so? Well, corporate taxes, corporate profits are at the highest ever right now, so you can't argue that these, what they call high taxes, are hurting corporations. But corporate taxes used to be 50%. They argued, well, that's too high, it's not competitive, all these other things they're saying now. So we cut them to 35%. That's a huge percentage-wise cut in taxes. Then Then the corporations went from country to country saying, well, doing an extortion game, look, your taxes are too high, and they said, well, we'll do all the things that they had said, here, we'll leave, we'll this, we'll that, we won't hire people. They got taxes cut around the world. Now they're back here after a round of that saying your taxes are higher than everybody else. Again, Hmm. that'll go to zero. That's a race to the bottom in corporate taxes, first of all. Second of all, the corporate taxes are, corporations are a creation of government. Their prosperity comes from government. It comes from all of the things government does that creates these economies that then help corporations. And the idea is that we do this, we let you aggregate this uh, investment to accomplish large projects for us. Mm -hmm. Why would we, the people, allow corporations to exist if not to serve us? They come out of government, they come out of a decision by we, the people, to let them do this. But now, if you look at who owns corporate stock, it's almost it, this the percentages as you'll see in the post are huge that it's the one percent and then the next nine percent so the top ten percent own dramatically most and mm-hmm. then you get to the bottom fifty percent they own about two percent of all corporate stock so when you're the, the, so taxes, the, bo- the, the the bottom fifty percent of Americans the poorest fifty percent of Americans you say own yeah. about two percent of yeah. the whole stock market yeah, yeah it's well, actually, those are 2007 statistics, mm-hmm. and we know how much wealth has concentrated since then. Right. So, yeah. And it's kind of like that figure you hear that 200, or no, 400 people own, it used to be 
more wealth than half of us, but now it's much more than that. So, yeah. So wow. when you're talking about corporate taxes, you're really talking about literally a few rich people. We used to talk about class war. Well, no, we're, we don't even have a class anymore. We're talking about a few people. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it, it really is. I mean, and you, you write uh, in your article, the top 10% owned 90.3% of all stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Right. Uh, and that was as of 2007. That number has gotten much more... Uh, probably. S- probably much yeah. uh, smaller <laughs> since then. Yeah. Uh, but, but, so what... When we hear, because it's, it's, it's astonishing when you start actually thinking about it. Well, it is, and it it's also you know aggravating because you hear the argument all the time. Hey, you know, you used to be able to uh, argue against uh, Wall Street and the, the you know the rich people there, but hey, now everyone is invested in four hundred one k's or retirement accounts. Well, uh, no, but that's not true. <laughs> no, <clears throat> sorry, not at all true. I mean, the people who say that are people who have these four hundred one k's. Okay, yeah. Half of the people, I, I don't have it right in front of me, but the number is really low how many people have any retirement savings at all. But 401ks are, you know, a, a lot of people in good corporations might have a 401k. I was in a corporation that had a 401k, but they never put a dime in it. Mm. You know, I had to put my own money in it. But, uh, yeah, so there are some people have 401ks, and some of them have stock in it, yes. And some people have IRAs, and some of them have stock in it. But the amounts of stock ownership, as you saw, were 90-something percent in the top 10 percent 10 years ago. Much higher now, maybe. So, yes, when you're cutting corporate taxes, the result then is that the corporate profits are higher, and one way or another, through having more stock value or maybe paying dividends, then that is goes to the benefit of those shareholders at the top. Uh, the AP reports that the plan uh, proposed by the Trump administration is similar to his campaign uh, proposals, which would have given nearly half of its benefits to the wealthiest one percent of Americans, while middle class, uh, middle income households would have received barely seven percent of those right. cuts. So, as- aside from being bad for the economy, as you argue, Dave. Um, th- th- these cuts seem to be unfair just on, you know, on the surface level. But is there a way or even a need uh, to give so-called tax relief to the poor and middle class without harming the economy and in a way that would be fairer? Or is this something that we we shouldn't even be doing at all at this point? We have lost touch with what democracy really means. And in fact, democracy and taxes are almost the same word. Mm. Let, let me let me give an alternative scenario. We used to have a top tax rate of ninety percent, mm-hmm. and so and that what that meant not that you every dollar you make is taxed at ninety percent, not at all. But after you reached a very high income, then the money you get after that is taxed at ninety percent. So today, if we had a ninety percent tax, a, a hedge fund manager might only bring home a hundred million a year. Mm-hmm. Sad. <laughs> Sad. Okay, so. But think about the shift in business models that came when we cut that. When we had a 90% top tax rate, we had a capital gains, a long-term capital gains rate that was lower. And what, if you were going to be somebody to build a fortune, what you would do was you would build a solid company over time. Okay? And mm-hmm. that required to have good infrastructure around it, good education around it, so you could get good employees, it required a long-term commitment, 
good service, good products, you know, all those things to build a solid company. And then after many years, you know, you'd have a great income, but after many years you would sell your shares of those companies, of the company, and then you would get a capital gains break on that, and you'd have, you'd have a lot of money. Okay, but, but the business model, you wouldn't try to make as much money as you can in a year because after a certain point, it doesn't benefit you. Mm. They cut those tax rates down under Reagan dramatically, and what we started seeing was that the business model became to make as much money as you can in a year, to sell off your corporate shares, okay, to, to break up corporations and get the money out of them as fast as you could, you know, buy them and break them. Mm-hmm. Other ones found, you know, gains in monopolizing and stuff, but that whole business model of the scam, of the overnight fortune, it made more sense because you could make a fortune overnight and keep it mm. because taxes were so low. So look at how it changed our entire economy, our entire way we see society. Became The game became to make as much money as you can as fast as you can. Dave, I've got uh, just a minute or two left here, and I want to ask you about the uh, CFPB. Um, sure. But before that, real, real quick, on a political level, uh, w- will this proposal, I know it's still in bare bones, it was one-page release last week, but uh, unlike the, 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 the Trump uh, Republican health care proposal so far, uh, having failed to find enough support in Congress to pass, um, it, are we looking at a, a similar situation here? I mean, this proposal would seem, at least, to go against much of what Republicans have complained about for so many years, in that it will, you know, increase the deficit, increase the debts, and so forth. Or is there interest in uh, just cutting taxes? Does that over overtake everything else? Does this does this proposal actually have a chance to get through in some form with this? Uh, Republican-controlled uh, House and Senate. I I fear that the dynamics of this are not the same as the dynamics of health care because they came in and said they're going to take health care away from what twenty million people. Mm-hmm. That caused enough of a of a uprising about it. Corporate taxes have been the subject of so much bamboozlement over so long, mm. and taxes in general that you know I can't really say if the Tea Party types meant it about deficits. Who knows? Deficits are a whole other story. We could have a whole show about modern monetary theory and stuff. But as far as their own rhetoric of saying deficits are bad and hurt, then how can they be for it? On the other hand, they're Republicans. So, you know... (laughs) You're, you're, no, you're right. It'll be a real test of those people who call themselves Tea Partiers, whether they yeah. come out for okay. or against this proposal. Very quickly, uh, the the efforts, I know you wrote about this as well over at OurFuture.org last week, uh, the efforts to gut, essentially, the Consumer mm-hmm. Financial Protections Bureau, the uh, which was set up after the 2007 Wall Street crash and the global economic meltdown. It was championed by President Obama and Elizabeth Warren before mm-hmm. she became senator. Senator, uh, you write that the GOP is still trying to gut the uh, CFPB, the rules at least that were, were meant to avoid another financial meltdown. What is that effort and what can be done to stop that effort, Dave Johnson? Well, the effort is to gut them. It's Right now it's largely driven by the payday lending industry, by the way, mm. the uh, one of the biggest horrible debt trap industries we have. But... Uh, the effort's underway. You know, Wall Street wants it killed. Republicans are in charge. We'll see. The thing to do is this. The thing to do is to be aware. 
be woke, as they say. Right. Call members of Congress, keep up the pressure. We're actually getting some things done with those calls. We're seeing some Republicans starting to say they aren't going to run in 2018 and things like that. You've got to keep it up. Got to be out there and active. Uh, here's one you'll like. Insist on paper ballots. <laughs> oh, but you've you got to be active and you've got to make those calls to members of Congress and senators. That's That's the way to get things done. Yeah, appar- yeah you know, uh, right now, apparently, it seems like the only way to get things done, or at least to stop right. them from getting things done that are going to harm us, you can call your Congress member and your senator at 202-224-3121. It's a phone number I've been encouraging people to write down for any number of reasons these days and keep it handy. 202 202- Two two four three one two one. Dave Johnson, uh, thank you for joining us, helping us uh, become a little bit smarter on this because there is just so much misinformation, disinformation uh, out there from the media that it, it, it does not help uh, the electorate become smarter. And that's what I'm trying to do here uh, with your help. Dave Johnson. You're doing a good job, Brad. You really are. Thank you, sir. You're very kind. Uh, until last week, a senior fellow at uh, People's Action. Uh, you can find his work at OurFuture.org and soon at the uh, Center for Media and Democracy. I will look forward to your work there, Dave Johnson. Always great to talk to you, my friend. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Brad. You know, there are there are signs here, uh, by the way, that the uh, Tea Party may not be happy about these tax cuts. Uh, Senator Mike Lee from Utah said the biggest disappointment is that they seem to be sacrificing tax base reform for a simple rate cut. Uh, Senator Richard Shelby of Alabama said, if it's not paid for, we're going to run a huge deficit and we don't want to do that. We'll see if he actually means it. All right, a quick break and we're back with our closing few minutes on the broadcast. Some big news out of Fox News. That's straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. I'll keep you my dirty little secret. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Yeah, a lot of of dirty little secrets at Fox News are finally now uh, coming out. And, you know, when we have, uh, does every time we have talked about Fox News over the past several months and all of these uh, allegations of sexual harassment by uh, Roger Ailes, who's now out, by Bill, uh, the founder of Fox News, by Bill O'Reilly, who's now out, every single time. We've talked about it, and I've read one of these cases, uh, these allegations. Each time, Bill Shine, the name, the guy who people have never heard of him for the most part, um, he he's actually their co-president, or was until today. Yeah. He was actually promoted after Roger Ailes was sent packing a few months ago. Um, but Bill Shine has come up in all—he's always named in these things. Yes, as somebody who helped— 
enabled yes. these these dirty little secrets, these uh, somewhat 13, 25 million. It's hard to even know how much we're talking about that Fox News and Bill O'Reilly uh, has paid out to these uh, to his accusers. Well, on Monday, finally, Fox News announced that Bill Shine is gone. He's a holdover from the uh, Roger Ailes era, as New York Times reported. He's a veteran newsman, longtime lieutenant to Roger Ailes, the former chairman who was forced out amid the sexual harassment scandal back in July. God, that was July. Yeah. Uh, his presence uh, was viewed by some as a sign that the uh, parent Fox News's parent company, 21st Century Fox, was not serious about uh, reforming the culture of the network because, hey, they were keeping shine around as yeah. president of Fox News. He had been cited in several lawsuits as someone who enabled and helped conceal Ailes's behavior and uh, dismissed concerns from women who complained about it. The uh, Sean Hannity is not happy. Sean Hannity is still there. He's yes, not he yet is. fired. Not He's yet. still one of the few, I guess, at this point who's still at Fox uh, News. Uh, he said last week. Uh, that uh, he, he defended Bill Shine and he said on Twitter that removing Mr. Shine would be, quote, the total end of the FNC as we know it. Done, he wrote. We'll see if he's right. Wouldn't that be sad? That the, would be the amazing. The end of Fox News Channel as we know it. Yeah, and remember, however, Bill Shine, mm -hmm. uh, he knows where all the bodies are buried, so yeah. to speak, so I'm sure he's getting quite a nice payout in Another order to keep him nice quiet. Another nice payout. They oh, all yeah. got nice, but huge payouts to Ailes, like $40 million. Bill O'Reilly got $25 million on the way out the door. Very long, lucrative careers, unlike the women whose careers they destroyed because they had to sexually harass them. In a memo to the staff uh, today, Rupert Murdoch, the owner of Fox News and uh, controls the Fox media empire, said that uh, Shine would be replaced, that Suzanne Scott would become, uh, would become president of programming. Jay Wallace would become president of news. So they're sort of splitting up the job. But uh, Suzanne Scott, president of programming, a woman clearly demonstrating how Fox News is now serious when it comes to sexual harassment and the way they treat women. It's all done. Fixed. Yeah, right. The uh, the uh, racial uh, lawsuits, however, filed for uh, uh, racial discrimination against Fox News. I don't know if that is yet taken care of. So the Fox News story continues, whether we like it or not. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to my guest today, Dave Johnson of OurFuture.org, soon to be of the Center for Media and Democracy. And to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. My thanks as ever to all of you who help us continue to do what we try to do over our public airwaves, educate the electorate. Uh, thank you to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do just that. Uh, you can drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and you can find, follow, and share us far and wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. That's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.